one of the risks the profession has in general is that it's going to be slow to adopt change. It's going to be slow to move. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary. And we're Acuity! And we're live in Atlanta with Acuity. So Atlanta's famous. They have, uh, what's your, Chick-fil-A? Yes. Waffle House, Home Depot, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, Delta, Industry Titans. And now there's the next Industry Titan for accounting coming up. And that is Acuity. Acuity. And we are joined today by... Matthew May. And, and Kenji Kuramoto. And you two are, like, how would you describe yourselves, Matt? Oh, I'm a recovering auditor. <laughs> recovering auditor. <laughs> that now helps companies that uh, need accounting. And Kenji? I mostly try to manage Matthew, which is a very <laughs> difficult challenge. But yes, we consider ourselves recovering CPAs who are basically now out trying to help small businesses with their outsourced accounting. And you guys decided uh, to have everyone in your firm, Acuity, get together. Is this the first time you have done AcuityCon? Is, like, this, the this first? is the very first AcuityCon. Wow. And we are so honored to be joining you. But, but to rewind that, though, yeah. is it, they're not a traditional firm. Like, it's just not like all these people are here in your building every single day. No, we're meeting people for face to face for the first time that we've worked with for five or six years. We're like, yeah. Cindy Cole was like, this is the first time who, I've who, met anybody. Who was it that hasn't met anyone in person for five years? Cindy. Cindy. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> because you're all virtual, you're all remote. All the, all of us. And uh, so I went up to the office that's upstairs. We're in the Atlanta tech village. And like, I was, it was shockingly small for uh, how many people work at Acuity now? About 80. We're just over 80, and it's the smallest square footage of an office we've ever had. We like that ratio. Highest headcount, smallest square footage of office seems to be a metric that, you know, we're interested in. Good KPI for that, right? (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So we are here at AcuityCon in Atlanta, and the title of this session that you have uh, graced us with is The State of the Industry. And so David and I, about two hours ago, started frantically trying to figure out what exactly is the state of the industry, because this is how we do all of our episodes. We record every week, and about 30 minutes before the episode, we realize that we need to record something, and so we take all the articles that we have been reading throughout the week, and we try to come up with some sort of theme. Sometimes we achieve that, and sometimes it's just a random string of articles. Those of you who listen are well aware of that. But I think that actually... What's great about this session, great about, about being here, is that you know, we spend a lot of time talking to each other about you know, what we think is going on. But now we get to actually listen to you guys. So we're going to flip the script, and we're going to ask you what you think the state of the industry is as what I would consider one of the you know, leading firms that has invented a new way of accounting. Well, imagine like whenever we do the podcast and we're talking about all these things, uh, remote working, technology, mm-hmm. um, the way you treat your employees, the company culture. Moving uh, like, to advisor tech, services. Right? Like in our brains, we're hoping people like you are listening to us. So the fact that we're here and you're actually facing us and rolling your eyes some of you, <laughs> is uh, pretty exciting. Well, and, and we're hoping, you know, that that you can share some of your stories with our thousands of listeners. So we have prizes today. David, do you have... I have a very limited number of shirts. I think I have seven. So (laughs) I guess the way we'll figure out if you get to uh, interact with us, we'll we'll get a shirt size. And then if that fits you, you get to ask a question. (laughs) Uh, Or someone in your family or close to you that has that size. That's that's true. So um, I thought we kind of just like lay the groundwork with a few 
you know, statistics, right? We're accountants. We love the numbers, right? Let's, let's talk about what is the state of accounting right now? There's a lot of doom and gloom. I don't know if you read any of those blogs or any of those accounting sites about the threat of automation to our jobs, right? There's a website actually called willrobotstakemyjob.com and you can go there and you can look up accounting and there's a page dedicated to accountants and auditors and it says right there, um, you are doomed. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, this is all based on um, a, a report that was done in 2013 by Carl Benedict Frey and Michael Osborne. It's a report called The Future of Employment, How Susceptible Are Jobs to Computerization? And so they analyzed 702 jobs and ranked them and found that accountants and auditors have a 94% chance of being automated out of a job, right? Which is kind of uh, terrifying, right? But at the same time, the near-term growth of accounting is fantastic, as I'm sure you can attest. There's a lot of demand for accountants. The job market is really tight. So what's going on here when we have 11% projected growth of accounting jobs, and yet we're all supposedly going to get automated out of existence. Yeah, why are you hiring people? Why do you have <laughs> Why are there 80, 80 people in this room? Because you guys have grown fast, right? I mean, we have, yeah. Yeah, we're eight people six years ago. Wow. No. So eight to 80 in six years, kind of defying that, uh, you know, we're all going to get automated out of a job. Yeah. Who are those guys that? again? What were they talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I was talking earlier with uh, Frank from uh, Bill.com, and we were just having a discussion right before we came up here just about what's, you know, those same fears about automation coming. And we were actually kind of joking about other jobs in the past and things like that, that were supposed to come in and disrupt. And, and yeah, I think that one of the risks the profession has uh, in general is that it's going to be slow to adopt change. It's going to be slow to move. And we were just talking about it being adaptive. We talked in an earlier session about this to where one thing that's been good about our team and I think it's been attractive um, for people wanting to come and work at Acuity, which is the same way too. I think a lot of, you know, the reason why we've, you guys, we've hung out with a good bit, Amanda Aguilar and her firm, we've always talked a lot about, there's a lot of us who do are very interested and curious about some of that change. And it's allowed us to be adaptive. And so I think that in, yes, some of the traditional, very manual roles we've been in are going to be disrupted. Those are going to go away. But I think we're already starting to see all kinds of other roles and responsibilities that are much more, that are much more better fit for accountants because really accountants are knowledge workers. We're not manual, it's not a manual task we should be doing. And so I think that's where people are forgetting about the opportunity to eliminate some of the manual jobs and open up more of the knowledge working jobs. I think that's where the growth is coming from. Do you have positions currently now in your company that maybe didn't exist as a job anywhere? Oh, this year. This year, I mean, we, we added our tech specialist roles where we have people that just evaluate the bill pay technology or just evaluate the expense report technologies that are out there. And that's a new role in our team that we've been added. Uh, we've added over the last 12 months. It's, it's crazy. So their only job is to evaluate the tech? No, we're, we do a lot of player coaching. Yeah. So that's like they're, they're on one of the teams. Uh, bo- I think both those people are on, uh, controller the, uh, team. on the controller yep. team. And then they have a, a role that uh, is evaluating those technologies. Well... You know, you guys get to talk a lot as the face of Acuity, but we have decided that we want to hear from the, the people who make up Acuity. Okay. So I, I understand that you may have taken volunteers in advance to come up here, or you're made, you may just be picking on people. Maybe. We can pick on whoever Maybe. you want. Maybe, yeah, yeah, that's right. So who wants to come up and talk with us a little bit? No pressure. It's easy. It's, it's all easy. edited too, right? You, know, yeah. you can just, you know. <laughs> we edit this thing. 
So, you know, who wants to come up and get You get a Cloud Accounting Podcast t-shirt. David, would you mind modeling one of these shirts? He's already wearing one. You guys are I, both I don't, wearing I mean, these are limited edition. I don't know what you... We're the easy ones. You're like, uh, Sammy knows everything. Yeah. So, I think, like, I, you, you need Sammy for sure. Sammy? Sammy, Sammy. Sammy. You want to come up? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So one of you will have to give up your seat. And you'll allow me to do that, probably. Okay, cool. And actually, um, why don't, oh, actually how about we take... Two people from the audience, and that way it's, okay. it's easier. Yeah. So who else yeah, wants to voice. come up and take Kenji's spot and Matt's spot? Oh, I totally bring Lisa up here. Lisa, yes. All right. Let me just put that headset you, right there. Well, let's do some introductions. So, Sammy, who are I'm you? I'm Sammy. I'm the team lead of the bookkeeping team. I've been with Acuity since 2013. Uh, I'm Lisa Gilreath. I'm the VP of Operations at Acuity, and I've been here for about five years, and I'm responsible for customer success. Fantastic. So let's start with Sammy. How do you define bookkeeping these days? It's broad. We really, we changed our name a couple years ago to the cloud accounting team because we wanted to really highlight about how our team services our clients in all different manners and not just traditional bookkeeping, but a little bit more advisory, a little bit more listening. Uh, so we're a lot more broader than just the traditional, you know, the bookkeeper role. So just make sure I heard you correctly. You do not call your staff bookkeepers anymore. Correct. They're technically cloud accounting specialists. Ooh, we approve of that title. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lisa, tell us a little bit more about what customer success is uh, from an operational standpoint. Yeah, I think for Acuity, it is evolving, especially this year. Um, you know, customer success was born out of the SaaS-based space, um, and we're professional services, so we've got a different flair on it. But it really is making sure that... Um, we are matching our clients with the right technologies at the right time, enabling them to grow, um, and making sure that they are using the full spectrum of services that we have to offer. So what's top of mind for you guys? Like, you know, when we talk about the state of the industry, is there anything that like is worrying you or concerning you, or is it just business as usual? I think it's changing and it's changing quickly. Um, I think for our group, you know, the number one question they have is whenever the, when is the banking system going to settle down and be consistent? Um, we talk a lot about bank feeds in our group and broken bank feeds and some of the frustrations that that brings in terms of our serving our clients. So, you know, seeing where the consolidation is going to happen and how that consolidation affects all the ecosystem products at the same time is, has been a little bit of a challenge. We have definitely had a lot of discussions about automation. We are looking to embrace the automation to see how the team members can refocus and help clients in other areas besides, you know, the basic level. And of course, we're always looking to grow and expand uh, in better ways that we can serve. And both of you are working from home? Or are you, are you working in the office here? Yeah. We do come into the office occasionally, yeah. but yes, uh, primarily we're working from home. So what would you say, Lisa, as far as like going to bank feeds, right? Because I've heard this gripe a lot about bank feeds. And so let's say there's some, um, you know... Uh, and, and this is something that like folks in Australia and the UK just don't understand. They don't understand right. our listeners there. Or so now maybe there's an executive at Chase, right? Running the small business division. They want to uh, really understand what this problem is. Like what are the problems you're seeing that you run into bank feeds besides them just down, right? That you have with your clients. Yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges um, for us on the customer success side is that customers do not understand why the bank feeds don't work and why they have to continually go in and, and connect them. Um, so, you know, every time a bank makes a change, 
PubDoc goes down, Zero goes down, QuickBooks goes down, and then we're left in the position of saying that we can't deliver the work because we don't have the banking information. Mm. And so it leaves a bad taste in the customer's mouth in terms of delivering services smoothly um, and on a timely basis. And so um, we're little in the whole scheme of things. Like Chase hasn't taken my call. Um, Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> well, now you've been on the Cloud Accounting yeah. podcast. Right. It's a whole new world now. Let, let's talk about Chase, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? So I, yeah, in a in a perfect world, people don't realize, clients don't realize that bank feeds are like screen scraping tools, right? They're like literally logging in on our behalf, and and there's no API connection between the bank and the accounting system in a lot of cases, right? Yeah, there's. I mean, building APIs be coming from that app side, right? Yeah. Is and building an API for your own use is hard. It's work and it's very scalable once you do it, but building an API for the rest of the world to consume is a whole other monster. And banks are not used to making their data public. And so they're going, they're going through a learning curve right now and it's going to be hard. Have you thought about just making your clients go on all one bank trying to do that? That's impossible. I hear laughs. Um, yeah. So um, we're pretty transparent in all the softwares. We can't even make them go on to zero or QuickBooks alone, or we don't choose to make them do that. So, um, yeah. you know, we make recommend recommendations in terms of who we think the better banks are in terms of ease of working, but that really actually changes from month to month. That's an important thing to point out is uh, and emphasize is you are, you are agnostic, right, when it comes to which general ledger application. Uh, like, do you standardize on anything or do you just say, like, we're going to we're going to try a little of everything. We're going to work with whatever the client's working yeah. with. And maybe there's a question yeah. to Sammy, since you're kind of looking into automation, like, how can you automate anything if you don't if you don't have kind of a standard tech stack and you're kind of just using whatever the apps the clients are using? So we do have a standard tech stack in bookkeeping. Uh, each client has to choose QuickBooks Online or Zero, you know, for their basic. And then we'll have, you know, we do Bill.com. We partner with Expensify, Gusto, uh, different things. So as long as they're sticking with our preferred technologies, the bookkeeping team can service them. So you have some sort of uh, guardrails of, like, extremes. Like, you're not going to support 25 different take a photo receipt apps, but you're going to... But, you know, what if I come in with this really great small payroll processor called My Payroll HR, and I'm like, this, these guys are the best, <laughs> you know, and... You know, honestly, if they fall in the similar parameters, we'll be willing to try it out yeah. and work with them. Um, and we can service clients that are not on those, but just not on my team. We'd probably dip into the controller and the CFO team. So we won't necessarily say no, which is like maybe just not in our team. What about verticals? I think Kenji mentioned earlier some refocusing on different verticals or you went broad. We have not had verticals up until this year, and we're still not like walking away from all of our clients that aren't in those verticals, but we have taken um, the stand to really start um, building deeper in verticals, um, starting with SaaS and creatives being the top ones that we really see a concentration in our client base, um, and then really kind of um, building the tech stacks around those specific verticals and marketing out towards them specifically. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. Many times when choosing a payroll service, you have to choose between a new startup with a great app or an established company whose tech may feel a little behind the times. With OnPay, you get the best of both worlds, a great app from an established company that's providing payroll for over 30 years in all 50 states. OnPay is an easy to use full service payroll with simple, straightforward pricing and it includes all their features. Employee self-onboarding, HR tools, health insurance, workers' comp tracking, and 401k. And with an accountant's dashboard and partner program combined with best-in-class integrations with Zero and QuickBooks, OnPay is the right fit for all your clients whether they have just one or 500 employees. 
They also handle all the complicated stuff that other payroll providers don't, like agricultural payrolls, including Form 943, multi-state payrolls, and employees with H-2A visas. I'm really excited to tell you that OnPay is offering an exclusive promo code only for the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast to get three free months of OnPay payroll service for any of your clients that you set up by February of 2020. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash onpay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O-N-P-A-Y. And use code CAP3FREE when you sign up your clients. That is C-A-P, the number three, F-R-E-E. And to be clear, you cannot get this promo anywhere else. It's only available to the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. In a way, right, isn't acuity just from the get-go, was in the startup vertical. I mean, this building, the Atlanta Tech Village, if I understand it correctly, only allows SaaS-based startups in here. The only business that's not a SaaS-based startup is Acuity, the accounting firm. So that'd be like if, if your niche, right, was food trucks, and they have those food truck roundups, and you were the bookkeeper who showed up with your food truck, but you didn't sell food, you just did bookkeeping, oh and you were there every single time. David, this is brilliant. We should start an accounting truck. And just drive up to all the other food trucks. And just do their books. And do their books. And we could drive around to them wherever they are. This is it. And have, a, twi- and have a Twitter account, right? And that's how people know where we are. And you they can com- compete with QuickBooks Live. You're right. We come <laughs> to you, and it's not just in a little box on your screen. It's literally, we will drive to your house or your place of business and, and do the... I feel like this has been done. Don't release this until I spin it up. Okay. They may want to pay you with free lunches. You might want to reconsider there. I don't know. I mean, in LA, the food truck scene is pretty awesome. I might, I might take, take them up on that. All right, bank feeds are fixed. We have this amazing, perfect world. Like what's the, and everything's automated. What do you solve for your clients then? Like what services are you going to provide? Um, systems recommendations. Systems recommendations. There's so many. The ecosystem is huge. Like in onboarding our staff, um, you know, when they first come on, um, there's always a sense of intimidation a little bit about they don't know um, all the softwares. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know to give the right ones. And then I always pull out the account text picture and that say, thing's good terrifying. luck. <laughs> Have you all seen that ecosystem diagram with like Every software that apps? is in, you know, each space and that kind of thing. And it yeah. is very overwhelming. So David knows them all. He, he learned them all. Yes. Alphabetically, my, right? I have my <laughs> CRM, actually. Every one of them. But um, I, that's where I really hope that we become better in making good system recommendations based on our verticals, and then also, you know, preparing for eventual consolidation in some of those spaces. What do you mean by uh, consolidation? Um, I think we're going to have apps that are going to be really good at certain things, and at some point they're going to gobble each other up. Well, we've already seen some of that, right? Auto entry. Exactly. Sage. Um, HubDoc, Zero. I think even BillPay. Two years ago, I, don't, I feel like nobody is competing with Bill.com, and I feel like every single, I, some of the news I even brought today, like every time I turn around, another app's announcing we now do bill pay. Right. Well, thank you so much, Lisa and Sammy. Really appreciate you jumping on the podcast with us. No any, parting, any parting words for our listeners? Um, yeah, so first of all, if you are a listener, you should know that the Cloud Accounting Podcast is a great recruiting tool. Really? Um, because our newest hire, Kai, back there in the corner, hiding behind the camera, um, actually was a referral that called in to you guys or reached out to you guys and you sent them our way and we're very thankful oh. to have her, have her. So That's listen, wonderful. network. We'll take listen. our 20% commission <laughs> <laughs> on the first year salary. <laughs> I have a question because I, I feel like Matt and Kenji are pulling my leg a little bit, but he's like, he says, oh, we make all our staff listen to every single episode. Is this true or not true? We definitely recommend your podcast. Um, 
at least once a month, we are reminding the team, yeah. make sure we are blasting it. We are huge advocates yeah. of the podcast. So please, please, if you are not listening, start listening. Yeah, absolutely. So if on our one of our team calls, you've heard me say, oh, that was recently discussed on the cloud accounting podcast. Raise oh. your hand. Wow. And I see you know, half the room. You make our job a lot easier. Well, thank you. Thanks for that. Uh, Lisa, Sammy, you made this episode much easier. So thank you for your participation. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. All right. So we've got our next two victims here. We have Graham. Graham Wood, CFO is what your name badge says. Is that an apt description or can you elucidate upon that? That pretty much says it. And we have Anne. Anne o- O'Day. Anne O'Day. Thank you for joining us. And what is, what's your role? So I'm the controller team lead. Controller team lead. All right. Would you mind tipping that microphone just down a little? You can adjust it down a little bit. You have an accounting firm name, O'Day and Associates. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. No. <laughs> I want to be at Acuity. Okay. That's right. And Anne, what's, what's your role? You're so I'm the controller team lead. Controller team lead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about controllership, if you don't mind, Graham. We're going we're gonna to go controller and then go CFO. So what is controller, what's the controller team do at Acuity, Anne? So one of our main tasks is when a client wants to be accrual basis rather than the, the cloud accounting team handles cash basis. And then if they move to accrual, you bring on a controller or just to help out um, with the tech stack that they don't do, you bring in a controller. Gotcha, so all of those month end close procedures to get, you do gap financials? Yeah, gap financials. And then we also um, help in the beginning with the client, new clients doing cleanup. So before the, the cloud accounting team takes over, the controller will come in and straighten up the books, get them so that they can go from that point. And is it kind of like a virtual controller? So. You have multiple clients each. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when does a client generally graduate or need controller services? At what point? Are there any indicators when you know, like, this is the time? Well, when they need the accrual basis. Yeah. So definitely if they're, you know, in the SaaS area with deferred revenue, they want that, you know, so. They're going to go raise money? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Um, and in that, that you mentioned SaaS. That's one of your big verticals that you're serving there. Right. Any, mm-hmm. any others in particular that, you know, where you, you focus a lot in? Well, myself personally, also professional services, just because of my background was in professional services. Okay, gotcha. What were okay. you doing before Acuity? Well, right before Acuity, I actually was at a private school, nonprofit. Okay. Um, so, and then before that, it was an accounting firm, but I did a lot of the lawyers, doctors, creatives, that sort of thing. And how long have you been at Acuity? I think this is actually my one year anniversary, like this week. Congratulations. And Graham, Graham Wood, CFO, how long have you been at Acuity? Ten years. Ten years. Wow. And we we only thought Acuity was around for eight. So you were like... (laughs) I I, I was ahead of my time. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And what does the CFO group do at Acuity? We are more strategic. Mm -hmm. Uh, We look at funding exercises. We build financial models. We give advice. Uh, all of us have been around for maybe not quite as long as me, but we, uh, we have a lot of experience. We've got a lot of stripes on our back, so we uh, impart whatever wisdom we can possibly on the existing CEOs, COOs, sometimes board members. So would you say, to my understanding, Acuity really started out as trying to just be virtual CFO or CFO-only firm. Correct. So has your job gotten 
easier now that you guys have worked backwards and do bookkeeping where you're controlling the whole data stack to the data that now gets to you to make decisions? No, uh, it, it's gotten more difficult, actually. Interesting. All right. On our side, it, it's one of those things that, yes, we, we do get more information now, and we believe it's better information. But with that comes a lot of responsibility of transcribing it, basically, to the existing staff, management, managers, you name it. And we talked about when a client needs controller services, generally they, they need to go accrual, right. they may need gap financials, raising money. When do I need CFO services from Acuity? Well, the biggest that I see is when they're ready to go out for funding. Mm-hmm. It's one of those that now it's time to build a financial model. It's time to really go through the financials, make sure they make sense. And once you do that uh, financial build, defend it. And how did you learn to build financial models? Trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, really, like you, did you learn from somebody? Did you teach yourself? Did you buy a book? No, it, it's uh, mostly self-taught. Self-taught? Yep. Been around long enough that I can claim that now. So like just building up a three-way you know, financial statement model from Excel from scratch? Well, when I joined Acuity, we were fortunate enough to have a model that we, uh, we used. Now, it wasn't the easiest, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Had to have a lot of uh, technical help from the founders trying to decipher how in the heck is this thing working and why is it not working. Mm-hmm. So we went through that, and after uh, two or three years of struggling with that, I decided I'm just going to do it myself. So I, ge- I, I gave up the, the company model. <laughs> and, you, and you just built your own? And I built my own. Yeah, what do you enjoy most about being a CFO? The interaction with the people, and, and, and that comes through the CEOs. They're asking for expertise. And I've been around long enough now that there's a lot of experience. And that's what people pay for now. You know, when you think about a CFO, you think experience. You don't think uh, on on the job training. It's just not going to happen. You mentioned companies going out to raise money. Mm -hmm. You've been there. You've done that. How many times have you helped companies raise money? Do you even know? Well, not really. But the last time I tried to add it up, it's over 200 million. 200 million in fundraising. In fundraising. Okay, got it. Wow. So I'm a CPA. I am in a traditional firm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we do a little bit of bookkeeping and maybe some, you know, gap accounting a little bit. Um, But really we're tax and audit, right? That's most traditional firms, tax and audit. We want to get into the advisory side of things. Do you consider what you do to be advisory? Like, am I using the right term? Or do you like dislike that word? Do you like that word? No, advisory is probably the correct word to use. I actually like that more. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) For me, for my, for my side. Yeah. I mean, it's just, they ask me, what's your experience been? What have you been through? What do you feel, what do you feel like is going to happen? And, you know, they'll, they'll ask me, how's an investor going to react? So I tell them what I've been through before. What are you, what's your advice to firms that want to get to that advisory point? Because David and I go to all these conferences, all these sessions, all these webinars where we hear people say, you got to move your firm to advisory services. We see you guys doing it. Right? How do you yeah. how do you actually do this? But before you answer that, though, I think there's a lot of mi- uh, yeah, there's a lot of mindset, right? That oh, of course he's a CFO. Of course they can get an advising. It's easy. They're a CFO. But just like a, a show of hands, a lot of your bookkeepers, I think, that are here, right, on, on the bookkeeping team. How many of you consider what you do sometimes advising to the clients? Like you're offering advice. 
Yeah, what, 20, 30%, 40%? Yeah, at least. All consider themselves being advisors. Well, there's definitely advisory work you can do at any level, right? Right. Yeah. And, and, and they are right. They are advising the client because they're asking, what should I do? And that's, you know, that's, that's great. I mean, when you've got the, the bookkeepers, controllers are being asked also, what should I do? Mm-hmm. But when you're talking to a CFO, then, you know, there, there's a lot at stake. You know, the future of the company sometimes, can I make payroll in two weeks? When am I going to be out of cash? How much money should we raise? What do you think the valuation is going to be? What should my option pool look like? You name it. So, so going back to my question, David, if I may. Sorry, yeah. uh, so I want to become a, I want to be like you someday, Graham. So, <laughs> Old? <laughs> I, you know, this podcast host game is just not, not what it was cracked up to be. Uh, I really want to get into the CFO stuff. Like, how, you know, do I just have to like do trial and error? Like, do I follow you around and learn your secrets? Like, no, can I shadow you? <laughs> Good luck. Uh, no, it, it's, you just have to do it. You just have to get out and experience it. And you do, you can't do it from sitting behind the desk. You can't do it. I mean, you literally got to be in the trenches. Yeah. To be fair, ta- maybe we should have the tax team come up here that they have to do a ton of advisory on the tax side, right? right? Like the, they do. the planning for, you know, owners of businesses yep. and, and all those tax strategies are yep. enormous. But yeah, maybe, uh, maybe people don't always think of what they do as being advisory, even though it is. No, well, I get a lot of advice from my tax guy. <laughs> 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 don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> Does anyone have any news stories? You know, have, we like to talk about the news on this podcast a lot. Is there anything that in particular is of interest to you that you've been following accounting, finance related in, in the, in the world of accounting? And I'm not, I don't mean to pick on you, Graham, and, and just you're here, you know, and, but we can also take questions from the audience too. We're happy to do so. And I believe Matt has a, uh, has a microphone. We've got a microphone. If anyone wants to talk, like we're here to talk, like let's, let's talk about some of the burning issues and fun stories that we've had going on. I've got a question. Okay. What do you guys think about community-adjusted EBITDA? Yes. Uh, so the question is, what do we think about community-adjusted EBITDA, which I believe is a WeWork non-GAAP financial measure? Correct. Ooh. Yeah, I've been doing my reading. Uh, so this is this is a question I'd love to you know hear opinions on is uh, the rise in non-GAAP right financial metrics in reporting by public companies. There's been some chatter, some articles written about whether that's a good or a bad thing. Well, it, it's, it's more data. That's all. Just, just use it for what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it something the SEC is going to rely on? No. But if it gives somebody a better insight into the company's performance and the metrics therein, I don't have a problem with it. Well, and it is good now that we require that companies reconcile their non-GAAP measures right. we did, to GAAP, right? We didn't used to do that. Right. Well, that was only, what, a few years ago that mm-hmm. that happened. Right. So that's good. But like, it still raises the question. We, David and I actually just had a great interview. The podcast episode that dropped today, we did an interview with um, Ethan Ruin of the Harvard Business School who wrote an article about how GAAP doesn't fairly address human capital, mm-hmm. investments in human capital, right? Because we are expensing all of our investments in people. And actually, Kenji and Matt know what I'm talking about, right? You're, you're, 
you're paying today. To, this is a training, right? The reason you're bringing all these people here together is an investment in your people. And is that an expense that should just happen once and you're done, right? No, this is an investment in the future. But the, the way that we account for it doesn't seem to suggest it's an investment. What do you do? Capitalize it and amortize it over what period of time? Uh, I don't know. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, your, that's why we right. brought in the Harvard no, no, professor that's, last that's, week. And supposed what to figure his, that out. What was his answer? <laughs> yeah, um, he didn't have it. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. Right. We couldn't nail him down on anything in speci- specifically. Um, that's Harvard. But <laughs> uh, but you know, there's this question about like the relevance of accounting, right? We we do all this hard work uh, to put together these financial statements, and it's a lot of work. From the bookkeeping to the accounting to the controller to the CFO, and then who looks at it? Right. A lot of the time, right? You right. Know? Your assets are at book costs; they're not at fair, fair market value. Yeah. So then the client's saying, "Well, that's not even what anything's worth." Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then uh, we're expensing all of our research and development, mm-hmm. right, in the period. But that's all to to generate intangible assets in the future. Well, a lot of times we right? don't have a perfect system. Yeah. There is no doubt about that. But at least you know what's there. Uh. And can theoretically trust it. What about, uh, what about non-financial metrics, right? Like when you create uh, reports for your clients, do you put in that stuff? Do you go beyond just what's in the, in the yeah. general ledger? Yeah, minutes spent on the website by each customer or yeah. things like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you try to figure out, like when you're talking to your client, you're trying to figure out what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. And if minutes on the website is going to drive their sales, then you want to capture that for them. Or if, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever, what's that driver of sales so that they can see, is it growing? Is it shrinking? So any of that can help them. I mean, it's what you just said. It's more data. The more data they can look at, you know, accountants always get back to the numbers of the data, basically, but it can help them. All right. Well, yeah, true. And, you know, human resource capital is something else we, we tend to watch very carefully because, at least in the software side of the of the industry, that's 70, 75% of your, your cost structure. So you'll want to know it. Right. And turnover and can turnover. be very important. Yep. Yeah. Turnover, right? Yeah. I mean, that's if I was investing in a company that had really high turnover, that would be a very strong indicator You know that there might be a problem. Right. Right. Unless that's a norm of the industry. Right. Right. You've got to compare right. it to industry norms. Exactly. Can I go back a second to my Sorry. Yeah. community? Just oh, yeah, I got away from that real quick. Huh? <laughs> so I was reading about this, right? I think most of us accountants understand EBITDA. But the definition that we work gave, community-adjusted EBITDA, not only subtracted out of earnings interest, depreciation, and amortization, but also expenses like marketing, G&A, and development and design costs. Like, that is crazy, isn't it? Like, are we just completely making things up at this point? <laughs> I mean, is it, maybe is that a reason that, you know, they didn't go public in this whole, like, uh, part, I don't know, that to me starts getting to where, like, that is. Well, David had a really good point on a recent episode about, like... I did? Well, I you, you, brought, you brought up a really good point. I don't know if it was your point, but you said something like, uh, you know, this proves that accounting works. Right, the fact that, uh, or was it you? Oh, know. no, um, Sean Stein-Smith wrote a really good article we talked about, and yeah. it's the, the, fa- the free market works. The fact that 
they, they reported this, people started looking at the numbers, and because of that, people discovered, hey, maybe it's not there, and then the IPO didn't happen, and yeah. ultimately, that's what we want in our society. So there's no perfect gap numbers, but it doesn't matter. They're, they were just good enough for people to But they didn't the start looking at it until he was ready to go public, yeah. right? Yeah. And but, it was the investors that started. Right. Yeah. So that's a success story, right? The failure, the massive failure of WeWork is an accounting success story because we saved all those investors from a terrible investment. <laughs> like that's how we should be, that's what we should be saying to our friends and family. Like, guys, we work losing $40 billion in value is awesome. <laughs> you know? In a matter of days. In a matter of days, right. Which just shows, goes to show you that the whole thing was like insane to begin with. Mm-hmm. Except for I saw an article now arguing, oh, we got another question coming up here, but an arguing, arguing that the founder... Um, that he's going to be like the poster child of every MBA now because he figured out how to for, extract $1.7 billion of yeah. value by destroying value. Like, you know, like they're saying he might have planned this the whole time of just like knowing the uh, capitalization and the um, the investors were just well, egging him for something like this. And all the self-dealing, right? They had to basically pay him off to leave. It's like a mm-hmm. billion dollars to leave his company. Like he may have planned this whole entire thing. I saw the article. It's a very egotistical like move, and like if, if that's the fact, like he is the king of all kings. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that, and not me, because he now has two billion dollars. Yeah. So, um, any other que- another questions? All right, Kai Moon, customer success. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, okay, so I had looked at a, a few articles before you guys came, yes. um, and one of them was it's back from the 22nd of this month. Um, if you've heard of Splunk, their CEO, um, I read this article about how he kind of says, in the coming age, um, there will be only two types of companies. There will be those that are willing to seize the opportunity to make things happen with data and those who will no longer exist. So as we're talking about kind of this issue of um, automation and maybe folks seeing um, risk to their jobs, how could we... um, maybe leverage this. I think we have a whole history of like data's always been around, but we're better at capturing it. So now I think the next step is how do we get better at interpreting that um, and maybe making that a new part of accounting and financial services. It's already there, but I think it's gonna have to um, have a really big learning curve. I don't necessarily know if that's true. I think. The data is, there's more and more and more data. And to some extent, it's just going to be an equal playing field. Everybody's going to have the same access to all the data. Nobody's going to have a competitive edge. Like right now, we're probably in a time where there's a competitive edge, but eventually it won't matter. And what's going to come down to is your people, your culture. It's the same, same important values of a company that the data is not going to bridge those gaps. Well, but somebody like Graham is always going to need to be there to interpret that data, make sense of it, and tell people, here's what to do based on past situations, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. But I, I, yeah, the only thing I can add to that is, you know, when the term artificial intelligence is now becoming ubiquitous. I mean, nobody really can define it as to what it is. Nobody's really sure what the output is yet, but that will happen. Mm-hmm. You'll have machine learning and deep yeah. learning to where then it's, a, okay, it's interpreting for you, but... How do you interpret what it's interpreting? Well, you know? so here's a great example uh, on the show is transcriptions, right? So it used to be you had to pay a transcriptionist to manually transcribe your episode or any audio 
Uh, and it was very time-consuming and expensive. And now there are services out there that will transcribe 90% accuracy. And then our transcriptionist, her job is to verify that it's correct. And then she adds value by putting together the show notes that you may read. Right? So she's not just transcribing anymore. She's suggesting. She's saying, hey, let's organize things this way. You guys should do this next time. Um, and I think that's kind of a nice parallel to you know, bookkeeping or accounting in that it's, it's not just about entering the data anymore, right? It's about how can we... Right. Well, you know, data is a cold fact. That's all it is. All, you know, a CFO, a bookkeeper, or a controller is actually putting a human touch on it. And that's, I don't think you're ever going to see that go away. Love that. Well, so we're not going to see a chatbot CFO. And that was free. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're going to send me your uh, hourly bill, right, after this? <laughs> it's already prepared. It's already prepared. The AI bot has prepared AI it based on your here. calendar. Exactly. That's great. Um, well, Kai, thank you so much for that question. I think um, we may be, that's, our, that's really our time. So, uh, Graham Wood, thank you so much for, your, for joining us. Enjoyed it. Um, thank you, AcuityCon. Thank you.